All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as I am recording this one. After a really incredible uh, Portland Trailblazers-Phoenix Suns game, if I could just say the word Trailblazers, that would be great. Uh, but recording this one after that, the, the Phoenix Suns, they won that game. That makes everything a little bit more convoluted with the playoff standings right now. Phoenix, they were able to kind of avoid uh, some tough scenarios with Denver, dro- dropping down to the four seed. Now they have locked into a top three seed. Portland, they have now made things even more complicated at five, six, and seven. We're going to get into that in segment three. That is going to be the main focus of that part. But for now, let's talk about the Nuggets game. Let's talk about how the Nuggets, they won over the Minnesota Timberwolves final score. I think it was 114-103. That's right. This was a really impressive win from Denver in a situation where Minnesota, they're still trying to win games. Uh, They're putting out a lineup that featured Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, and Carl Anthony Towns, which all of those guys are good. I think Vanderbilt has shown his abilities and, uh, Their bench wasn't great, but a lot of that was like not having Malik Beasley, guys like that, but but they figured some things out, and Nas Reed is still pretty good. And Denver still was in control of this entire game. They are a very, very strong team top to bottom, and it really showed tonight. Jokic was the best player on the floor tonight, 31 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists. But Denver's two other scorers off the bench... Their top two scorers off the bench were Marcus Howard with 15 points and Vlako Chanchar with 14. To me, that is a great encapsulation of Denver's culture, of Denver's team building strategy, and of their ability to just kind of pick guys up wherever they are, plug them into the rotation, put them around Jokic, put them around good, smart veterans like Paul Millsap, Jamichael Green, and they just go off. They do their thing. Vlako Chanchar, Marcus Howard, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves announcers were uh, not complaining, but at least uh, commenting on the fact that it was going to be a really long night because those guys were going off. And we'll talk about them in just a little bit here in that segment too. But let's start with the starters. Nikola Jokic just continues to impress, just continues to do his thing. 31 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists. He was joined tonight by a new starting five. It was Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, Aaron Gordon, Jokic, and JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee makes a surprise start at center. Uh, Michael Porter tonight, he rested, and JaVale McGee was elevated into that starting unit. Denver didn't really need to see anything from uh, from an Aaron Gordon-Paul Millsap uh, duo. They didn't need to see it from Aaron Gordon-Jamichael Green. They might have started Bull Bull, but... Tonight, I thought it was a good strategy and a good way to get some good information by putting Nikola Jokic and JaVale McGee on the floor at the same time. This was a very, very important thing for Denver to do prior to the playoffs because Jokic and JaVale, they hadn't had any minutes together. Those guys, both centers, both uh, interior players, of course, Jokic has the versatility to move outside, but it made things interesting on both ends of the floor. It was definitely a surprise. It's definitely not the ideal starting lineup, but it doesn't necessarily matter because Jokic, he just showed his ability to pivot into whatever the team needs from him. 
Faku Campazo starting at point guard, JaVale McGee starting at the five. Doesn't matter. Jokic, he's just going to score 12 of the first 16 points by dominating and getting to the front of the rim. The T-Wolves, for whatever reason, they started Jared Vanderbilt on uh, on Jokic tonight rather than Carl Anthony Towns. I think probably to hide Towns a little bit and make sure he didn't get up fouls. Good strategy for them if they were trying to avoid Towns picking up fouls, of course, but not a great strategy if you're trying to win the game because Jokic was just dominant in that first period. 12, 12 of Denver's first 16 points had 16 points in that first quarter was very, very good. After that quarter, he was he was more quietly dominant than anything. Uh, had the stats, of course, to kind of show that, hey, look, he was making a lot of shots. He was doing a lot of great things. But the way that he paced himself after that first quarter, it really shows to me how much he has evolved as a player, how much he knows how to pick and choose his spots. Just make the right play every single time and let the chips fall where they may. There were a lot of mistakes tonight made by uh, the guys around him, uh, by Jokic himself. I thought uh, Austin Rivers didn't have a great game uh, from a a decision-making standpoint, but he did have a good scoring game. Uh, I thought that JaVale McGee made some mistakes, not necessarily knowing where to be, but they made up for it, and Jokic made up for it especially, with just doing the right thing and pushing the right buttons against a team like Minnesota where you don't know necessarily what you're going to get from them on a night-to-night basis, but Jokic took advantage of his matchup early and often, uh, going at Vanderbilt, going at uh, Nas Reed, and then when Towns went at him, he also put Towns in the cooker too. Uh, Had a Sambor shuffle against him from the left elbow, and one right in Towns' grill. It was a very impressive shot and sort of the, the capper on what the Nuggets often expect from Nikola Jokic every single night. He gets the ball in a situation where he has to ISO, and he does exactly that. Jokic just continues to bring new and incredible things to the table, and tonight he he dominated in his own unique way, and it really helped Denver get off to a great start. And then they never, I think they led pretty much the entire time. There was never a moment tonight where I thought they were going to lose this game. Uh, other than maybe the announcement of the starting five. Like, that was the only thing. But Jokic, he just continues to adapt, and that's just who he is as a person and as a player. No matter what situation is thrown in front of him, he's going to run through it like a brick wall, dance around it. Uh, It is what it is with him. Like, he is just somebody who never tell him the odds, never tell him the situation. Uh, I think I'm titling this podcast, uh, It Doesn't Matter What Your Starting Five Is. Um, and it really is true because around Jokic, they started four players who weren't with Denver last year. They acquired Faku in the offseason. They traded for Aaron Gordon and JaVale McGee. And then they, like, in late March, uh, six weeks ago. And they signed Austin Rivers about four weeks ago. It's incredible to see what they've done. And I'm glad that they've been able to make this work. Denver. Especially with that starting unit, they continue to make the right pass every single time. Uh, Faku Campazo wasn't perfect tonight, but he did have nine assists. And that's exactly what you need from him in a situation where, okay, you don't know where the scoring is going to come from. You don't know how some of these buckets are going to manifest themselves. But Faku, 
He got them into the right plays. He got them into the right sets. And Jokic trusts him to make those decisions. He he definitely allows him, not allows, but gives him free reign on some of those possessions where sometimes it doesn't work out. But more often than not, Faku is making the right basketball play. And Jokic respects that. He he knows that he can trust Faku now. And that is great. Jokic only had four assists, but Aaron Gordon had four assists because he was making the right play in a lot of cases. Uh, this was a good game for Aaron Gordon. That is a very important piece of this. Uh, you need to make the right play, need to make the extra pass, need to cut, need to move, uh, need to rotate when things are flawed. Denver's normal starting lineup is uh, Murray, Barton, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. It's hard to find a flaw there. It's hard to find, like, that That may be the most dynamic starting five in basketball, other than maybe what the Brooklyn Nets will throw out there every now and then. They haven't yet. Uh, but if Denver is able to put all five of those guys on the floor again at some point, then it's going to be basketball nirvana once again. Because everything is so easy with how talented those players are. This is a different situation. And, and JaVale, he's a talented player, but he has his flaws. As is Faku, as is Austin Rivers, even Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon really is the, the fifth option in that aforementioned lineup, that dream lineup that I mentioned. So they have to make the right play. And Aaron Gordon tonight did. It was a really good sign. Just talking about him just a little bit. 15 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, 6 of 10 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3. Two really good games in a row from him. And it might have taken a little bit extra. It might have taken just a, a little bit longer than people were hoping for, but he was pretty up and down for a lot of this stretch. And it's hard to count on him for excessive stuff, but 15 points, like, Going around 15, 4, and 3 like he is today. Maybe it's 4 rebounds as opposed to 4 assists and 3 assists as opposed to 4 rebounds. But if he can stay efficient, if he can make a 3, keep the defense honest, that's the most important part of this. Uh, as teams game plan for Denver in the playoffs, they're going to be rotating off of him pretty consistently at the 3-point line. Denver can counter that by inverting him and Porter. In a lot of cases, inverting him and Jokic in a lot of cases, where Jokic is at the top and, and Gordon's underneath. But he's going to need to focus up and play like he wants to make those punishments happen. Uh, so we're going to see whether he can do that on a consistent basis. Had a time tonight where he was against Anthony Edwards in the post, did fine, drew a foul. Uh, on the defensive end, Anthony Edwards, he had a really great game tonight. But a lot of it came with Aaron Gordon not on him, whether he was on somebody else or on the sidelines or whatnot. It really felt like Aaron Gordon had a good defensive game. I could be wrong, and maybe that's a maybe that's incorrect. But Gordon's been pretty good defensively, especially of late. A lot of his problems happen when he's defending well on ball, and then once his man passes, he kind of relaxes a little bit. Uh, that hasn't happened a lot of late. Uh, we'll see if that's something to watch during the playoffs. Uh, but I hope that they get the best version of Aaron Gordon possible because they're probably, 
Like probably all, all of this is up in the air with the playoff standings, but I think they'll probably face the Mavericks. Uh, but if, if they're facing Luca, he's, he's going to have a really difficult time guarding him, but most of it's going to be on ball. So there is at least some solace there. Again, Faku was good. He was awesome matching up with Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards. Uh, despite what the box score might say, I thought that uh, Faku, he bothered those guys in a pretty consistent manner. Uh, he moved the ball tonight and creating those assists, nine assists tonight. I think he only had two turnovers. No, he had three. Uh, but look, it is what it is. Sometimes you get three turnovers. Uh, the more important thing is that he's creating several opportunities for teammates and fostering a good environment where he's moving the ball. As long as those guys continue to make the extra pass, uh, make the right reads, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a benefit. Faku's probably starting in the playoffs. I, I think we've talked about that before, but that has to be said again. And then Austin Rivers goes four of nine from three. He's found his outside jumper in a big way. That's the most important thing. He was doing everything else before uh, kind of finding that jump shot, but over the course of these past few games, he shot the ball really well. That is a great sign. Denver needs that. They they need uh they need some of the other things too. And uh and Austin Rivers still does stuff stuff that I don't really like. Um there are a lot of possessions that he'll have where he he gets very frustrated with a referee. He gets very frustrated with uh other things and and tempers boil over a little bit uh rather than focusing up, but he does a good job most of the time, and, and he has a pretty short memory in a lot of those cases. I think there was one where he got scored on and then immediately came down and hit a three on the other end. So uh, he is going to be paramount, and having somebody at the shooting guard spot that can space the floor is going to be a big deal. So as long as he can defend his matchup, which he's, he's shown the ability to do so thus far, as long as he can, then he's going to be valuable. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bench unit. But first, this podcast is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, UFC 262 is around the corner, going to be this Saturday. Nate Diaz, Michael Chandler, there's going to be a lot of action. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They are the official sports betting partner of UFC, and they have a heavyweight title offer for this weekend's fight. 100 to 1 odds for you if you are signing up as a new user. DraftKings Sportsbook, as long as you bet the main event fighter and who will win, if you make that correct bet, DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. Just bet $1 on select figures, on select fighters, and they will win $100 for you. That is a great deal. There's no way to, there's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. They are safe, secure, and reliable. You know who they are. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience with them. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on the main card fighter this weekend. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 to let them know that you came from us. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. 
gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in uh, make sure to rate review and subscribe five stars on itunes apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts if at all possible uh, it's been great it's been awesome you guys are wonderful uh, as the playoffs keep rounding into form this is going to be uh popping we're gonna have as many episodes as i can possibly provide for you uh, and it's gonna be good this is like you're never gonna have a shortage of content over here if you're following the nuggets so Make sure to check it out. Let's talk about the bench in this one. Uh, Monte Morris, he sat out this game. Uh, this was a rest due to load or injury management is what they are calling it. He will be back on Friday to face the Detroit Pistons. Uh, he's from Flint, Michigan. He's playing in front of family. That is a big deal to him and the Nuggets there going to, uh, they're going to give him free reign. Uh, my guess is that Faku plays, but he might not. Uh, they might decide to rest Faku at that point. And if they if they do, they, they'd be well within their right to do so. Faku has played just so much and so hard. So uh, should probably try to get him a break if at all possible. But let's talk about the bench unit. Let's talk about who played tonight. Uh, the Nuggets, they shot 5 of 24 from 3 tonight outside of two players. Uh, and that that even includes four of nine from Austin Rivers. The two players who I did not mention were Marcus Howard and Vlaco Chanchar. Uh, they combined for seven of twelve from the from three, and carried Denver spacing with their second unit. It was really impressive to see. Uh, Vlaco he has had a difficult season, in my opinion. He was a guy who I, I don't think that he had a main like a, a major expectation to play, but there were definitely opportunities where he could have carved out a role. Uh, Bull Bull also received similar opportunities, and Vlaco, he basically showed what we expected him to show in those times where his, his jumper wasn't great, uh, didn't have a lot of uh, off-the-dribble burst and ball handling and creation and scoring ability. But he was going to set screens, he was going to try hard on defense, and he was going to make some passes and rebound and things like that. Uh, but tonight, he really showed off the whole package. Uh, I think it was it was a, a really good shooting performance from him. Uh, he had 5 of 7 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 1 of 2 from the line, 14 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, no turnovers, and was a plus 5 tonight. The T-Wolves aren't like batting a thousand when it comes to their bench don't get me wrong but they like they have capable pieces like watcher Hernan gomez is over there uh Jaden mcdaniels is over there who i really like uh, those are the forwards that he was facing most of the time and i thought he outplayed them pretty pretty consistently actually having an outside jump shot is so important when you're playing a lineup that features paul Millsap, jamichael green Guys of that nature. Those guys are going to space the floor and try to go five out a lot of the time. But there's also times where teams don't necessarily respect the jump shots, where they still crowd the paint a little bit. 
And in that situation, you want guys that can also space the floor around Millsap and Green. Uh, so that's why Chanchar wasn't having a great year with those guys and with lineups like that in particular. But tonight, he hit his threes. Three of four from three is a big, big deal. Uh, made some good passes. And and I thought that he he played off of the sets really well and found his shots, hunted for those looks, and made the most of them. That's all you can really ask for at that point. Uh, I think he's probably too big to play the three going forward, and Denver just has too many fours and doesn't stop like right now because they have Bol Bol, Zeke Naji, guys like that who I would have expected to play tonight, but Vlaco was the one who got the call. But his shot form is good. Uh, he can definitely find spots where he's going to be impactful. I'm not surprising that he had a good shooting game. I'm not surprised that he had a good shooting game tonight, excuse me. Uh, but he hadn't shot the ball well up until tonight. Maybe this is a good springboard moment for him. Like He's probably not going to have more opportunities beyond maybe these last two games. But seeing the ball go through the net and just knowing that he can do it in a regular season game, that's a big deal. And so... Maybe Denver has more opportunities for him going forward. I doubt he is I doubt that he's ever a part of a major rotation with Denver. Like if everybody's healthy, he's also out there. But if he can continue to do what he's doing now, uh maybe Zeke Naji is the guy who's in the rotation next year, but if Zeke were to go down, then Denver has a good replacement. That's all you can really ask for. The other guy who really held up was Marcus Howard. He got his opportunity and absolutely made the most of it. Uh, he can get shots up in such a variety of ways and do so quickly. Uh, there were moments where he was just coming down the floor in transition, pulled up from three. There were moments where he was coming off of screens. There were moments where he was running pick and roll. And there were just moments where he was spotting up and kind of moving off ball, rotating a little bit around the perimeter. And when he gets the ball, he is firing it up, no hesitation. He is a guy who Denver, they are going to have to kind of put a lid on um, how many shot attempts he gets, as opposed to trying to open him up a little bit. Like you might see Vlaco pass up on some shots. You might see uh, Aaron Gordon pass up on some shots. You're never going to see Marcus Howard pass up on shots. Like he was out there with Nikola Jokic and he was shooting. It was, it was pretty impressive. And you like to, ha you like to see that confidence. There's a reason why he was one of the leading point scorers at Marquette, like the, the leading college scorer. Um, he can get those shots up, and even if they're contested, it didn't really matter at times. So. And it's a good thing. Like he, He's been a good soldier all year. I don't think he has a future with this Nuggets team just because of how many point guards they have, how like what their, what their rotation looks like, and what they're going to need going forward. Like I think what we've seen from them, like having Shaq Harrison, having Austin Rivers, signing those guys, you know that those guys are a good value piece. And and you can get good production from Denver's bench as long as guys play good defense. Marcus Howard's not a good defender. Not even close. But his teammates were happy for him. And they are happy that he gets up these shots, which is a good sign. He's putting in the work. Maybe he surprises me. Maybe he's a guy that they think highly of and want to bring back and see if he can provide more. Um, tonight, clearly helped Denver get a win. 
15 points, 5 of 10 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, uh, made his only free throw attempt, only had one assist and one rebound, and had one turnover. So, I don't know. He really is just a gunner. Like, he is a 5'10", 5'9", gunner. Just somebody who is looking for his shot, and that's really all he can really provide. If he can provide more, then I'll change my tune about it. Uh, but if it's entirely shot-dependent for him, Denver can find a guy who's 6'4", who can do that. That's going to be tough. Like, it, it's a tough situation for him, but he has to find ways other than scoring that he can contribute. Interesting night for the Jamichael Green-Paul Millsap pairing. Uh, from a shooting perspective, it looked pretty bad. Two points on five shots for Jamichael Green. Five points on nine shots for Paul Millsap. Those guys each went 0 of 3 from the three-point line. Uh, I think that Jamichael Green had one that was all the way down and out, basically like rolled out of the rim after going around a couple times. Uh, but you can still sense that Denver's doing some good things while those guys are out there. And I've really changed my tune about this lineup. As long as they have the proper spacing around them, Jamichael Green, Paul Millsap, having guys that are big enough that can protect the rim and rebound a little bit, but small enough that they can space and move and get out of the way, it's an important attribute to have. Denver, they're going to play a different way when Jokic is on the floor, when Porter's on the floor, uh, when guys like that with the starting unit are out there. They need more spacing. They need more dynamic movement and cutting and perimeter ability. With Millsap and Green, they want to be tough. They want to rough people up a little bit. They want to play great defense. And I think it's notable, Minnesota only scored 14 points in the fourth quarter tonight. There's a reason for that. Shaq Harrison wasn't even really on the floor for much of that fourth quarter. It was Paul Millsap, Jamichael Green, Flacco Chanchar, Marcus Howard, and Faku Campazo. And then the starters came back in and did their thing too. But the fact that they can still defend with that group out there, even with Faku and Marcus Howard, it's a good sign that Jamichael Green and Paul Millsap are doing a lot of great things. Millsap had three steals tonight. Uh, he had a lot of good rebounds, and, and Jamichael Green only had two rebounds, but he moved the ball, and I thought he was a, a guy that, uh, when he wasn't fouling, and, and this was my big thing with him, that he just fouls too easily sometimes. But when he wasn't fouling, he was also playing good defense. Uh, Millsap continues to make some really impressive moves as well. Uh, he had a really impressive pass to Jamichael Green for Green's only basket. Uh, that was in transition. It was a, a kind of a blind pass uh, to to a, a window that wasn't really there uh, that, that Green kind of ran himself into. But it was a really good pass. And those two, they're developing a good chemistry. And that's all you can really ask for at this stage. That as they get ready for the playoffs, they they feel ready. Like I can definitely see that unit being productive and capable uh, against Dallas or Portland in a first round series. We'll see how it ultimately evolves, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely off base, but I think that they can survive. And as long as Porter's out there, maybe Monte Morris, Faku Campazo, maybe Will Barton comes back. As long as they can find guys that can create some offense. They're going to be good with that group. What else is there? What else can we talk about? Um, not a lot with the bench. Uh, 
Shaq Harrison had another good drive and he had a good steal, but uh, he he really is kind of the guy that once Will Barton comes back, I don't expect Shaq Harrison to play. Uh, Monte Morris will be back. He will replace those Marcus Howard minutes for sure. Uh, when Will Barton comes back, he will split time or not split time, but he'll probably play more for Vlaco. But we're going to see whether Austin Rivers is the guy who moves to the bench and still plays a lot. I think that's probably what we're going to see. I think Austin Rivers has earned it. Uh, Shaq Harrison's still sort of a spacing liability. So that's the reason why he doesn't play a ton. If Denver can find lineups where they can space the floor around him a little bit, kind of to compensate, then we'll see. But my guess is that if Morris is back and ready to go, which he sounds like he will be, if Barton is back and ready to go, they'll probably still start Austin Rivers, is my guess, but I actually just don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see. We'll have those conversations cross that bridge when we come to it, but I still think that Denver has another level with that bench unit that they can find by just having some reinforcements. Uh, Porter, when he comes back, he'll spend a lot of time with the bench too, but we're going to see. We're going to see what they do. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what just happened around the league and how the playoff picture is really taking shape. We will be right back. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Final segment here. Let's talk about the playoffs. This keeps changing every single day, so that's the reason why I keep going back to this well. Uh, It is a big deal. And Denver, they have to figure this out uh, from a a seeding perspective that tries to give them as good of an advantage as they can possibly get. Um, Right now, here's where we are at. Just fix that one real quick. Um, I'm just going to run through the seedings and the standings real quick. Utah Jazz at 1, they're 50 and 20. Phoenix Suns at 2, they're 49 and 21, but have the tiebreaker. Utah, they have an easy schedule, so they control their own fate. I think that Utah will probably be the 1. Phoenix still has a chance to be the 2. 3. The Clippers are at 47 and 23. The Nuggets at 4 are 46 and 24. Denver, if they tie with the Clippers, they will move ahead of the Clippers. The Clippers, they have two easy games left on their standings. They have the Houston Rockets and they have the Oklahoma City Thunder. Those are the two worst teams in the NBA right now, and they are both tanking the hell out of their games. Houston has the worst record in the NBA by far. OKC they're at 21 and 49, so not like far ahead of them. They have they're tied for the third worst record in the NBA. They uh, as they're they're going to try to lose, like they're they're going to not play any of their guys. They care about the lottery. Um, it's going to be hard for the Clippers to lose those games, but if they did, if they lost one of those games, say they go one and one. If Denver goes one and one, 
then they stay behind them. If they go 0-2, they definitely stay behind them. If they go 2-0, they will move ahead of the Clippers. And here's why that matters. With the Blazers' loss today to the Phoenix Suns, they are now putting themselves in a tough position where the Lakers could definitely finish over them if the Nuggets beat the Blazers in the final game of the year. Denver, it's going to be hard for them to tank too. They have Detroit uh, for Friday's game. When you listen to this, Denver will probably be close to playing the Detroit Pistons. Nikola Jokic has said he doesn't want to rest. Michael Porter will probably be back for this one. I doubt that they rest him two games in a row. Monte Morris is going to play. The Pistons don't really have anybody. And they, they've really shelved everybody because they are on the tank track as well. Like, Jeremy Grant's not going to play. Mason Plumlee. Uh, pretty much any rotation player that you can name for the Pistons, they're going to be out. Except for maybe Sadiq Bey. That's it. It's going to be hard for the Nuggets to lose to the Pistons. So if they win, let's say the Rockets, let's say they lose to the, to the uh, not the Rockets, let's say the Clippers lose to the Rockets. That would mean that Denver would take over for the three seed. And then Denver would, they would control their own destiny, uh, whether they wanted to play the three seed or the four seed, or play the be the three-seed or the four-seed, because they would face the Portland Trailblazers in the final game of the year. They may lose that one while still trying. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if the Blazers, they, they're going to go all out for that game. They're going to try to avoid the play-in if at all costs. If they miss, if the Nuggets win in that one, and they claim the three-seed, that gives the Lakers an opportunity to move up. They could potentially move up to the sixth seed, with Denver moving up to the three seed, which would mean that Denver would then face the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. That would suck. After all this, after all the ability for Denver to figure it out, to navigate their schedule, if Portland lost now, that would be tough. Fortunately, Denver controls their own destiny at the end of that game. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of these teams navigate the standings here. But Dallas is the five seed right now. If they win two games, they're definitely going to be the five seed. Denver's probably going to finish as the four, but they have the possibility to finish as the three if the Clippers out-tank them because they don't want to play the Lakers any more than the Nuggets do. So Denver... If they're the four seed and Dallas is the five seed, many people would be happy about that, Nuggets fans-wise. Mavericks fans would be pretty happy about that, too. They don't want to face the Clippers. The Clippers are uniquely good against the Mavericks. They have defenders to go up against Luka. Kristaps Porzingis isn't going to do anything against the, the, Ma or the Clippers. The Clippers would be really tough for the Mavericks. They want to face the Nuggets because kind of an unknown scenario without Jamal Murray. Denver would still be favored there. 
but it would still be an interesting series. Portland right now is the sixth seed. If they win over Denver, they clinch over LA. So that is where this really comes down to. If Denver, if they want to avoid the Lakers, then they have to lose to the Blazers. Guaranteed. Uh, That would pretty much guarantee it unless Dallas went 0-2. So, if Dallas wins their next game, which is going to be against Toronto tomorrow, or Friday, if Dallas wins against Toronto, they ensure that they will finish no lower than the Lakers. If Portland wins against Denver, then they ensure that they finish no lower than the Lakers. Denver and Nuggets fans, they should be rooting for that scenario. Because after all this time of kind of navigating the seedings and trying to figure this thing out, you don't want to face the Lakers when LeBron James is coming back, when AD is coming back. Because I think that the Nuggets can do some great things. I think that they can beat every team in the West, except for the Lakers. And if they had Jamal Murray, I think they could beat the Lakers too. Maybe I'm surprised. Maybe they face the Lakers and they could definitely beat that team. But I think that Denver, they've earned a reprieve. They have earned the ability to sort of get away from that. Because with the karma that they've built up from this Jamal Murray injury, like, Murray going down sucked. But the way that Denver has responded to that, they should be given credit for That credit should not come with having to face the Los Angeles Lakers. That would suck. So, that's really where the the top seven is at. I haven't navigated all of the scenarios yet. If you are interested in figuring out who is going to fall where, if the games fall whichever direction, go follow Matt Moore on Twitter, at HPBasketball. He has outlined all of these scenarios in a tweet on Thursday night. One other game that is going to be of big importance, Memphis versus Golden State. They are currently tied for the 8-9 in the the play-in game. And whoever wins that final game on Sunday, no matter what happens before then, will have the tiebreaker over the other team and will be able to be the 8 seed in the play-in game as opposed to the 9 seed. The 8 seed only needs to win one game, and they'll have two tries to do so. The 9 seed, they have to win two games in order to get out of the West, or in order to get into the the playoffs. That's a big difference. So, if you're looking for fun theater, Golden State versus Memphis, that would be fun. I'm looking forward to how all of this is going to play out. It is just a nightmare to try to figure out. Uh, It's a nightmare to try to talk about because I know Nuggets fans, there are definitely some Nuggets fans that are bored of this conversation, that they would prefer that Denver just face who they face and try to win every game and be that as it may. But I think that the Nuggets, they deserve to try to find the best path forward as they possibly can. And that path, in my opinion, it involves avoiding the Lakers and hoping that somebody else takes them out early because Denver, I think they can beat any other team. And if the season ended with a Western Conference Finals loss to the Los Angeles Lakers, I don't think anybody would be that disappointed because Denver lost Jamal Murray to an ACL tear. 
So, like, they are definitely going to be okay. They're definitely going to be fine. The season, if, if things don't work out the way that we think, or the way that we hope, then things will still be okay. And Denver sort of has a built-in excuse, of course. I want to see them go as far as they can. And I think that they can go pretty far. They just need to find the right path. And if they get that path, say the Lakers and Clippers face in the first round, and the Clippers beat them, Denver could make the NBA Finals. Because I think Denver can beat Dallas, I think they can beat Utah, and I think they can beat the Clippers. They can do all of those things. Because Jokic is that good, and Porter is that good. We'll see what happens. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings America's top-rated sportsbook app. I will be back tomorrow after the Nuggets win or lose against the Detroit Pistons. Nuggets fans, I know you don't want to root for a loss, but this is a good one to root for. Uh, Root for Jokic to sit. Root for Michael Porter to get 50. Root for things to look good, but for the Pistons to just inexplicably play really well and for them to get the win. Denver losing in this particular game would be good for them because if they lost, then they would have free reign, in my opinion, to go hard against the Portland Trailblazers in the final game. Try to beat them because that would send Portland to the play-in game. And the Nuggets, they wouldn't have anything to fear from the Lakers because all they could reach is six. That would be incredible. That is going to do for this particular episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys very soon.